Good to see you all. I haven't preached. Y'all know I haven't preached in a month. Are y'all wondering why you pay me at all? I mean, what, what, what do I do? Uh, I've been out of the country. Of course, we had a snow Sunday in there. We had Unity Sunday. My son Wade preached, and then I was away last week. I was in Peru as a guest of Compassion International, and uh, it was uh, really amazing. They do really, really good work. And uh, y'all know it's summer there. It makes my heart glad just knowing it's summer somewhere. Yana, it's also rainy season in Peru. And I saw more rain. I've seen more rain in Woodburn, Kentucky this week than like all the rainy season. And it's just crazy. Where in the world do we live? Um, but anyway, open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. Let's, let's get rolling. We're starting a new series today entitled Circles of Caring. This is a, a series that is in the Sunday morning pulpit, but also in your small groups. And this is the small group guide. If you haven't picked one of these up on your way in, pick it up on your way out. It's four lessons that you'll do in your small group together. Or if you're not in a small group, hopefully you'll make your move toward a small group by the end of these weeks. But uh, at, at the very least, pick this up and go through this together. Uh, Warren Weeks put this part together. This is the, our small group curriculum, and it's excellent. You know Warren's serious, y'all, when he prints in color. Warren Weeks knows the difference between what it costs to print black and white and the cost to print color. And like, you know, he wouldn't let his mama come in and print in color. But so if, if Warren prints color, y'all look at this, like that's color. And like, he put color right there. Like Warren will tell you that whole page is color. If it's got like that little bitty bit right there in color, we pay for color. So anyway, y'all, Warren is serious about this lesson. And uh, Warren is fantastic. Warren is on his way back from the Philippines right now as we speak. They'll be back tonight. They've had an amazing time in the Philippines. Uh, last Sunday, Warren took part in the groundbreaking for Woodburn Central Baptist Church in the Philippines. <laughs> it's just crazy and fun. Thank you for giving generously. We are supporting a church planter by the name of Pastor Benji, whom a number of us have met. And Benji is now planting, and that's the first church planted uh, under Woodburn Baptist Church's sponsorship. Warren Weeks uh, had his foot on the shovel for that groundbreaking, and that's exciting. God bless Warren. I love him. And uh, this very much is an important emphasis for our church. So uh, uh, let's jump right into it. Um, we want to take these pulpit moments like this, but also small group moments in this study, just to talk very practically about how we as a church family can learn to love and care for each other better. And as much as we do love and care for each other, we can do better. Uh, we, we need to do better. Um, I know a number of you uh, are primarily Sunday morning attenders, and God bless you. We love having you on Sunday. Please keep coming on Sunday. But I do want you to consider this simple fact that um, you, you probably need more than just a Sunday morning sermon in order to fully participate and experience everything that Christ has for you. In other words, and again, I, I love that you're here. Don't take me wrong at all. But... There are certain things that I'm afraid maybe the Holy Spirit just can't do in your life if all you ever give is Sunday morning staring at the back of somebody's head. You know what I mean? At some point, it needs to get a little more personal. And what I'm saying is that we need to find a smaller group, find a group of people that you can be with, that you can sit and look each other in the eye, not the back of the head, but look in the eye. And, and in a face-to-face -face sort of way, learn how to love one another. Uh, learn how to just sort of peel back the mask and, and honestly say, you know, this is who I am. The accusation on Sunday morning is that everybody's kind of dressed up and, and kind of playing a part. And we need to get to some place where we can meet together um, 
and, and get a little more personal, pull back the mask and, and, and let's just see, this is who I am. This is what I need. Now, now what, what do you need from me? I mean, we want to get to that place with one another. And, and that's sort of what this next four-week conversation will, will be about. Circles of Caring is in the small groups. I'll be doing my own thing in the pulpit. For the next few weeks, I want to talk about the one another's in scripture. There are over 60 of them. All of the places where we are told what our responsibilities toward one another are, uh, to love one another, to serve one another, to forgive one another, to show hospitality to one another, to be kind to one another, and on and on and on it goes. We're a family. And uh, perhaps your mom or dad told you back in the day to be in a family, uh, it matters. And in a family, there are benefits, but also responsibilities. And we have responsibilities to one another. And, and that's what I want us to discuss. Let's go to the first one another, probably the first and primary one. And that's the very important responsibility to love one another. First John chapter four, verse seven. This is just so good. First John chapter four, verse seven. Apostle John writes and says, dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. I love that verse 11, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love one another. We surely ought to love one another. I know that sometimes uh, we have these general ways of speaking about love where we'll say, you know, I love everybody. You're supposed to love everybody. And, and truly you are supposed to love everybody. But understand the passage that I've just read, the one we're looking at together here, this is not one of those general passages about loving everybody. This is a particular kind of teaching, a particular commandment to love certain people. Now we're gonna love everybody, but the bottom line is this is a word that the apostle John brings to the church and we're supposed to love one another. If God loved us this much, surely we ought to love one another. So in this passage, we're talking about the church. Certainly, when you have God's love in your heart, you're gonna love everybody, but but you know, it's a whole lot easier to love everybody than it is to just love particular people. And we're gonna get particular. You gotta understand, this love is not generalized, it's particular. It's love for the family of God. It's love for brothers and sisters. The Italians have a word and there's no English equivalent for it. The word is uh, enamoramento. Does that sound Italian? Uh, I eat at Fazoli's on occasion. Uh, <laughs> Enamoramento, yeah, enamoramento, there's no English equivalent for it. Now, it's got that Italian word amore. What's amore mean? When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's amore. Yeah, amore. And amore is the Italian word for love, love. So enamoramento, so it's got the word love in it. And then momento, it, it, 
It's a word that describes that moment in amore mento, the moment of love. That moment when you fall in love. Again, we have no English equivalent for that. It's just that, uh, that magical, hormonal, thrilling, uh, amazing moment that, that some people experience apparently where love just sort of falls out of the sky like a ton of bricks and lands on you, hits you. It's that love at first sight kind of thing. And I know some of you have experienced that. I've heard your stories. I'm certain my wife fell in love with me at first sight. I mean, how could she look at all this and, and not somehow... You know, inamoramento sort of thing. Inamoramento is, is that, that, that magical, romantic, overwhelming, overpowering moment when love just takes hold of us and, and, and changes us forever. We ain't talking about that. You with me? We're not talking about that. Now, it's not that I don't believe in love at first sight. I know that it happens, but I also know, and you know as well, that that overwhelming feeling that comes on us sometimes when we lay eyes on a person and, and love them with our whole lives. I, I'm telling you that the love that follows that moment, that inamoramento kind of love, what follows is very different from the overwhelming feeling that comes out of the sky and hits you like a ton of bricks. Love isn't all inamoramento. Do you understand? Love is a choice. Love is commitment. Love is hard. Love takes sacrifice. Love comes from God. So understand, when the Apostle John talks here about love, not talking about inamoramento here, we're talking about the kinds of words that he weaves together, the, the word God, love comes from God. God shows us what love is like. You understand? He weaves this concept of God and God's love with this word abide. Uh, abide, that idea that we continue in this, we live in this. In, in other words, love is a way of life. And it is your way of life when God is the source of your life. This is important. This is critical. This is what John is saying. God is love. God is love. He dwells in love. He is love. And so when God is the source of your life, when God is living within you, when God has a hold of you, he's going to put his love in your heart. If, if Jesus Christ is alive in you, then understand the love of Jesus will be alive in you. And this becomes a way of life, not a momentary sort of thing. That inamoramento kind of love is often related to feelings. And John doesn't say a single word about feelings here because we're not talking about feelings. Love is not feelings. First Corinthians chapter 13 is called the love chapter. It has this long list of things that love does. Doesn't say a word about how love feels because feeling is beside the point. We're talking about real love here. Are you with me? Do you understand? Y'all mad at me already? I'm not talking about feeling. My hunch is a feeling that can come on you so suddenly can leave you just as suddenly and there better be something else on the other side of that or you'll be done. Understand? Love's not perhaps what you've always been taught to believe in, in the movies, in the romance novels. In the Apostle John, love is something very, very different. It is a way of life. A total way of life when your life comes from God. It is a way of being in the world. It is a total way of being with every other person. Love is from God. It comes from God. That means it's not in me. I mean, when we talk about this kind of love, I mean, I mean, some of us aren't very honest. We do tell ourselves that we love everybody, but the problem is we don't. We can't. 
that kind of love is just not in us. Most of us love our family. Some of us don't even love our family, but I mean, some of us, most of us try to love our family anyway. We love people who love us. And honestly, that's easy. It's easy to love people who love you. It's easy to be kind to people who were kind to you. It's easy to be generous and patient and all of that with generous and patient people. We're not talking about that. It doesn't take anything supernatural to be nice to nice people. We're talking about something altogether different. This love comes from God. And we're talking about love within the body of Christ, love inside the church. And some of you would say, Pastor Tim, you don't know the church I came from. Man, you can't love some people. I tried to love some people. You just can't love some people. I'd walk in there, I'd make up my mind to love people, then I'd get in there with them, and then, then all of a sudden I'd just lose it. You just can't love some people. You know, I try to love, but then I just, you know, in the end I just, you know, I, I just can't. You understand? It's, it's because they just bring it out of me. They, they just bring the meanness out of me. It's funny how we do that. Like we tell ourselves this story about how we love everybody, but then as it turns out, when we're in proximity to actual people, it's not love that comes out, it's something else. It's meanness or apathy or, or rudeness, whatever. It's, it's something else. And we tell ourselves, you know, that only came out of me, you know, but because she, she brings it out of me. You know, you can't love some people. No. That's what I'm telling you. That, that meanness comes out of you because it's in you. It's in you. And it doesn't come out just because other people bring it out. No, it comes out because it's in you. That, that selfishness, that tendency that you have to think first and almost always about yourself, that's what's in you. It comes out because it's in you. That, that rudeness, that short temper, that anger, you see, that's in you. It comes out of you because it's in you. So this responsibility we have to love one another, that's not really actually something that we can even manage to do on our own. That love is not in us, not this kind of love. Love comes from God. He's the source of love. He is love. And when God takes hold of your life and my life, when Jesus Christ takes up residence in our heart, you understand that he begins to love in us, love through us. And it is God's love that starts flowing out of our lives. It comes out of us because by grace of Jesus, it's in us. Love comes from God. John makes it sound really simple. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. And he, he, he puts it simple, but in its simplicity, there's something a little frightening about it. Those who love know God because God is love, but those who do not love do not know God. So that, that worries me a little because I, I don't always love well. I, I want to, I, I mean to. I think love is hard. I was coming back from Peru on the airplane. I don't ride a lot of airplanes and mostly I just feel like I'm kind of shut up like in a really small space with no fresh air and, and, and everybody in it's probably got like Ebola or something. <laughs> and so... 
I'm just, you know, mostly just trying not to breathe, you know, and, and not get sick. And uh, uh, I mean, tr- true story, this lady, we were coming into Houston and this lady started throwing up. I've always kind of thought, you know, if somebody actually were to grab one of those barf bags, I might as well get two because I'll probably go after him if, you know, if somebody <laughs> starts throwing up. So she, she was throwing up and I mean, and, it, and she wasn't like, it wasn't quiet throwing up. You know, this was like throwing up like, you know, organs out of her body kind of throwing up. And uh, I had two thoughts. My first thought was that poor lady, because that's everybody's nightmare on a plane. Don't you just think, Lord, please don't let me get sick on this plane. You know, I don't want to do that. And I thought about that for her. I just thought that poor, poor girl, you know, that's miserable for her and miserable to be the sick person on the plane. And then my second thought was, could we open the hatch and throw her out? <laughs> you, you, you know what I, Is that just me? I mean, (laughs) y'all know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like that poor girl, I feel so bad for her, but, you know, you know, can we throw her out? I I just got, I've got that in me. I've got both in me. I I, I want to love like Jesus loves, but then I, I get in my own way. I start thinking about myself. You know, no longer thinking about her having compassion for her and her sickness or suffering. I just start thinking about me. And when I put myself in the picture, I, I almost always stop loving the way Jesus would love. Here's the thing, and it's fascinating. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in, in us. You understand what this is saying? The closest the world will ever come to seeing God. No one has seen God and the world's not going to see God like that. Now, as God's people, we want the world to believe in God and know that God is real and know that the gospel is good news for everybody. I mean, this is our message. This is what we preach. But notice what John says. The closest the world will ever come to seeing God is for them to see his love in us. You see, the fact is people look at the church and we, and, and we say, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. I mean, we, we're preaching a God of love, but then they look at us and we don't have a lot of love. The church in the United States is not known for its love. Did you know that? We're typically known for all of the things we're against. We're against homosexuality. We're against abortion. We're against all of these things, but I'm not sure that when they think of us, they think of love. And this is a problem. Our inability to love one another makes our our gospel proclamation completely unbelievable. It's a contradiction. You can't preach a message about a God of love and not have his love in your heart. And if it's in your heart, it will characterize your life. And if it characterizes our lives, then when we get together in this church, we really ought to love each other. I mean, we really ought to love each other. We need to love everybody, but John is saying in particular, we surely ought to love one another. I mean, you've got Jesus in your heart and I've got Jesus in my heart. You've got the love of Jesus in you and I've got the love of Jesus in me. When we get together, there ought to be a a, a love that the world has never seen anything like. We, We should have a love that is so supernatural, so absolutely beyond human imagination that the only explanation for the love in our hearts would be pointing to a God of love. That's what John says. No one's ever seen God, but when they see his love in us, that's the fullest expression of him. And it sounds easy. 
I mean, to love each other. I'm not talking about us. Us. I mean, why, why can't we love each other? You know, thinking about that, I, I have a few ideas. The, the first, and, and again, I don't mean to insult anybody. I, I, I'm not a judge and I don't know your hearts, but I just have a feeling that not everybody who comes to church on a Sunday morning is here because of love. You know what I mean? Um, I think one of the reasons that we don't love well at church is because we don't come to church out of love. People come to church for a lot of reasons. And I'm, I'm always glad to see you, but I'm just asking you at this moment to just sort of ask yourself why it is that you come. Because sometimes we don't even stop and think about it, but, but you know, what's love got to do with it? Some of us just go to church because that's where our families go. You know, we were taught to go to church or always dr- dragged to church. And so we go to church to be with our family, which means we, we get to church. We already have um, a, a close-knit group of family that we're going to sit with and love. I mean, for some people, church is just about their family. They go to church as a family. And I'm not saying any of this is bad, but you go to church to be with your family. And then after church, you all go to grandma's house and eat lunch. I mean, that's just sort of your family's thing. And so church for you is kind of a, a, a family get together. But, but if that's your only reason for being here, I, I think you're missing something. It's not, it's not just about your family. Some people choose a church where they already have friends so that they can go to church and be with their friends. And nothing wrong with being with your friends, but, but, but I'm just saying, I, I think there's more. I think Jesus didn't die on the cross just so you could be with your friends on Sunday. That, that there's got to be something more that he's doing in your heart, in, in your life. I, I have a feeling some people go to church for the, for the preacher, for the pastor. I don't think here, but, but I think in, in places that's the case. People can just absolutely idolize a particular leader, a pastor. And you can always tell those people because when the pastor disappoints them, they'll be gone. Or when the pastor is gone, they go with him. Uh, one way or the other, if, if, if a person is in church because of the pastor, eventually that'll be revealed. He'll disappoint you or you'll continue to worship and follow him. Either way, still wrong reason. Just, just wrong reason. Some people go to church for, you know, kids program. They, they, they want something for their kids. They go to church for the music and on, on and on the reasons go. Some people go to church for networking and business. I don't know if it's still the case the way it was probably a generation ago, but, but at one point it, it seemed like it was good for business to be involved in a church. So people would join a church and want to be known as a churchgoer because it would help them. I guess these days are people who go to church to, to network too, so they can meet people and then invite them to their party and sell them whatever they sell. I mean, I'm sure that happens. Some people are building a business. I think some people probably go to church to meet Christian chicks or hunks. <laughs> yeah, and you come to the right place. Just look around here, people. <laughs> no. See, there are all kinds of reasons for going to church. Not all of them are the right reason. And the thing is, if you come to church with false expectations, in other words, if you're expecting a church attendance to do something for you that church attendance was really never meant to do for you, then you're going to be disappointed. It's just inevitable. 
there, there, there must be something more to it. And this is what I would say. You've been brought into the body of Christ. It's not just about going to church. You've been brought into the body of, of Christ. And, and, and this is very, very important to understand. When you came to Jesus, you, you became a part of Christ. And that means uh, on, in that instant, you also became a part of everybody else who is in Christ. It's not a freelance sort of independent study kind of thing that you can do with just you and Jesus on the side. No, you cannot in any way come to Jesus and, and at the same time step completely around all the other people coming to Jesus. You become a part of his body. That's what the Christian life is about. If, if the Christian life wasn't important in the moments you were saved, you know, he could have just you know, killed you and took you to heaven. Obviously this life matters and this life that we live, we live by faith. We live in the son of God whose life is our life. But at the very same time, we're gonna be connected to all the others who are connected in Christ Jesus. It's the body of Christ. And that's what the church is. And the church itself is to experience all of the richness and fullness of Jesus. And as I'm saying, I think there's more to that than just hearing a sermon on Sunday. I think there's more to that than just sitting for an hour and staring at the back of somebody's head. I think there's more to it. And I want you to have everything that Christ has for you. I want you to experience that. And so you were brought into the body of Christ so that you can become like Christ. It's about holiness. He wants us to be transformed so that day by day we become like him. This is the purpose of your Christian life. You're being transformed. You came to Jesus just as you were as a sinner, but now the Holy Spirit is working in and through you so that you will become holy as God himself is holy. It's a life of transformation. And you need the body of Christ for that. You need the church. You need the full experience of Christ. And that's in his body. It's in the church. You're brought into the body of Christ so that you can become like Christ. And being like Christ means loving like Christ. If you miss the love part, you haven't gotten any part. You understand? Jesus is love. God is love. And, and you're not going to imitate Christ and then somehow not become a person more deeply capable of loving others. And especially the others in the church. If, if God loves us this much, John says, we surely ought to love one another. He's talking to the church. People come to church for all kinds of reasons though. I, I would say this as well. And I think this is really important for you to understand but because of what John says about the fact that, you know, the closest thing that the world's ever going to see of God, like literally is to see his love in us. And so understand the devil knows that and the devil hates that. And the devil knows exactly how to attack us to ruin our witness in the world. So he attacks relationships. He never stops attacking our relationships. He wants you to get mad at the people at the church. He wants you to get your feelings hurt. He wants you to. He wants somebody to rub you the wrong way and make you stay so mad that you'll eventually quit coming and drop out. He, he wants that and he wins. He wins every time he can cause you and me to fall out of love with each other. He wins. He wins if he can put something in your heart that's just bitterness and you continue to hold on to it. Somebody hurts your feelings. Somebody crossed their eyes at you and, and you can't get over it. You refuse to forgive. Now, you tell yourself that, that you're entitled somehow. I mean, somehow you sit through sermon after sermon after sermon where you're told that you got to forgive, but somehow you think that doesn't apply. You think you can just get mad and stay mad. And do you not understand how the devil wins when he can cause us not to love each other? 
You say, well, Pastor Tim, this church is getting awful big now. I can just go to 8.30 and hate him and he'll go at 11. Never have to see him. Do you understand how the devil wins when you think like that? When there are people that you don't want to run into because you don't like them? You're not going to forgive them. Whatever they said to you way back when Jimmy Carter was president, you're still holding on to it like it was yesterday. You're sick. I mean, that's just sick. It's just sick. To claim to know Jesus and love Jesus and have the love of Jesus and to say that he forgave all your sins, but you won't forgive. That's just sick. Spiritually, there's something profoundly wrong with your heart if you can nurture a grudge and call yourself a Christian and never, ever, ever feel like it's time to lay it down. Lay it down. I mean, the devil wins. If he can make you mad, if he can cause people to hurt your feelings, oh my goodness, if he can just somehow make you begin to think less of your fellow church members. Yeah, years ago, years ago, we, we met in a church building that was across the street, 100-year-old building, and it had a balcony. So one day, uh, this man in the church sat in the balcony. Now, nobody sat in the balcony. That balcony could fall. I mean, understand? It's a 100-year-old. I mean, you step out on it, it's like, whoa. You know. But he sat in the balcony by himself. I didn't know he was up there. But later, I said, man, I missed your church. Where were you? He said, well, I sat in the balcony. I said, what are you doing in the balcony? He said, I sat in the balcony just to see if anybody would miss me. Just to see if anybody missed me. You know what? I hadn't gotten a card or a phone call all week. Nobody missed me. Y'all want to know what I said? True story. You know what I said? I said, good. Good. You got what you deserve. Good. Let me understand. Who does that? Why would he think that, that I'm going to put the church to a test of love? I'm going to hide, see who misses me, see how many cards and letters I get in a week. I mean, you know, I'm kind of glad. I'm sorry. That's like throwing a lady out of the plane again, isn't it? Um, I'm working on me. But, you know, it, it just makes my head want to explode. I just think, you know, dude. Wouldn't your time, if you want to, if you just like want to test the love of the church, why wouldn't you like, like instead of spending the whole week waiting on somebody to miss you and call you, like what if you just thought back over the people you haven't seen in a while and spent your week calling them? It seems like to me, that's a whole lot more like becoming like Christ and loving like Jesus. You understand? It's not about you, you know, being in the center and the whole church rotating around you, you know, bringing you casseroles and calling you with cards and letters. Don't you understand? This is about you learning to love like Jesus. You learning to love like Jesus. It's you. It's not about you being loved by everybody else. It's you learning to love. And that means you're the one who has to step up. You're the one who has to look for other people. You're the one who has to see their needs. You're the one who has to forgive them. You're the one that has to be kind and patient and all those things. We're talking about you and me. We have to learn how to love. The devil makes it very, very difficult. And I'll be the first to say churches are full of real turkeys. I mean, people that are hard to love. Now, why do you think that is? Why are there so many people in church that are hard to love? Because, you know, I, I can go other places. And people seem easier to love. 
You go out there to that climbing place, the climbing wall, everybody's so friendly there, dangling from little strings, you know, and everybody's just happy, little tight shorts. Everybody's just loving each other. Man, you go, you, you go to Moe's, like, welcome to Moe's. I mean, it's like, wow, you know, it's just I want to cry. I've never felt so welcomed and loved in, in, in my life. I mean, every, every other place in the world, it's, it's like it's easier. Church, it gets hard. Why? You're the devil. I mean, you're the devil. And also this, remember, we're here to learn how to love because we're becoming more like Jesus, right? And so the only way that I can learn certain things about love is to be exposed to certain people. So guess what? If I need to learn patience, God's going to put people in my life that will try my patience. And he'll probably put them in my small group. You know, he will probably put them on your pew. Like right now, you're thinking, why in the world did I sit here? Yeah, you understand? And that's how church works. I mean, you've got to learn patience. And the only way you can learn patience is by exercising it. So you're going to have people in your life and God's going to do this. He's going to bring exactly the people in your life that you need. And you need to learn how to be kinder to people who aren't kind. You need to learn how to consider others who aren't very considerate of you. And so guess what? You're going to have those people in your life and they're going to be in the church. You're going to meet them every single Sunday. And every single time you meet somebody who's hard to love, guess what? The lesson has just begun. You've got to learn how to love. Of course it's hard. Of course it's hard because this kind of love comes from God, not from us. You know, the other thing, and, and this isn't really spiritual, it's just more, it's just, it's just what I see. And, and I don't know how to say it very well, but I'm going to say it this way and then try to explain it to you. And I'm going to talk about this a little bit more next week. Um, I think one of the reasons why we don't really love each other at church, it comes down to this. I, I think you've got too many worlds to manage. Now, worlds, what I mean by that is you're trying to live in too many worlds, You've got um, a life that you live at work or school, and that life that you live at work or school, it, it has with it a whole network of people, of relationships that you have to keep up with. People that you have to work with, that you have to answer to, clients, customers, whatever, coworkers. School's the same way. You've got fellow students and teachers and professors and uh, you've got a whole world there, but, but that's not the only world you have to live in and manage. You've got family, perhaps, and, and in the family, you've got family that live here and family that are far away, and you've got to manage all of these relationships, and it just gets hard. Some of you are in a season of life where you're caring for elderly parents, and that's exhausting. Or some of you are in a season of life where you're raising, you know, very small children, and that's exhausting. And, and, and it's a world that you have to manage, but even that's not the only world that you live in. If, if your kids reach a certain age and they start playing sports, you've got a whole new world to manage. It's the world of, of kids that play sports with your kid. And all of those parents whose first names you don't know, you just call them like, you know, hey, Mr. Johnson, because you know that the kid's last name is Johnson, but you can't remember those people's names. You know what I mean? So you're trying to figure out who's going to bring snacks after the soccer game or the lacrosse match or whatever. I mean, you just got all of these worlds and add to that church, 
You know, all of these people and the churches, some of you say it's just so big you can't know people. You just kind of walk down the hall like, like strangers. And, and I'm just telling you, I, I understand that. We have so many worlds to manage. You have so many different networks of relationships and we're just not capable. We're just not capable of managing all those relationships. And I think that's why when we get to church on Sunday, most of us are just done. We're just done. It takes a lot of energy to invest in relationships. It takes a lot of energy to actually get real and personal and love people. And most of us are done by the time Sunday rolls around. Or on Sunday, we're, we're bracing ourselves for Monday again. That may be kind of the way it is, but I don't think it's the way it's supposed to be. I really think you and I, we're just trying to live in too many worlds. And I think that unfortunately for a lot of us, it's, it's, it's the body of Christ. It's our spiritual life that gets neglected. Beloved, let us love one another because love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God for God is love. Um, a simple thing to say, but you know, it, it is true that, that if you know God, that, then you'll know love and you'll have his love in your heart. But I, I think you still got to choose it. It's like my being on the airplane and, and on the one hand, I have love in my heart for this woman. On the other hand, I'm just really selfish and, and I, I don't care as much about her. It's, I have to make a choice as, as to which side of my heart I'm going to I'm going to choose to live out of. And the admonition in scripture is to choose to live the life of love. You choose to love people. Not because you have loving feelings toward them. Sometimes despite the way you feel, you still choose to love. You choose patience and kindness and goodness. You just choose love. God puts this love in our hearts, but at the same time, we still have to choose every single day, every single moment in every relationship to live that life of love. What's it look like? God showed us how much he loved us. God reveals love. In other words, if God is love and you want to know what love is, you look to God and he'll show you. In other words, this isn't what you're going to see on a Hallmark channel or a romance novel or anything like that. It's, it's a, you look to God and God shows you what love looks like and, and this is it. God, God revealed, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Do you see that? God shows us what love does, what love is like. And, and it's really, it's not even something we fathom. Um, it's incredible self-forgetfulness about it. In other words, what God does is completely for our sake. There was nothing in it for God. You understand that? He didn't look down at you and me and see that we were so very lovable and cute that he just wanted to die and save us. No, we were condemnable, condemned. Because of our sin, we actually were enemies of God. There was nothing about us, nothing in us that would cause him to love us, only that it is his very nature to love. 
So what he does, he does completely for us, only for us, for the sake of love. He, he dies for us. He sacrifices for us. You understand? And John is telling you this little gospel story to remind you that this is what love does. And if God's love is in you, then this is how you begin to live. This is the kind of love that begins to characterize you. You're no longer thinking about yourself. It's not about you. It's about others. You have this incredible capacity just to forget yourself and focus on the needs of others. This is what love does. It, it forgets itself. It puts itself out of the way completely. As I said earlier, I've got these two sides of me, and whenever I'm really needing to love people the way Jesus would love them, I find that it's myself that gets in the way. I get selfish. I begin to think about my own needs. I start trying to think about what I'll get out of this if I do something. If I do this for her, would she do this for me? If the shoe was on the other foot, would she do this for me? You understand? I like to think transactionally. In other words, I'll do something for you, then you do something back for me. I'll love you, and then you'll love me back. And you understand? That kind of transaction, that's the way humans think, but that's not God's way of loving. God just sacrifices himself for the sake of the world. He just gives himself away because there's nothing coming back. We have nothing to give him, nothing to give him. And he owes us nothing. Do you understand? He just gives himself away. It's sacrifice. Whenever you see true love anywhere, somebody sacrificed. Love always requires a sacrifice. So you want to know what it looks like? I mean, I mean, it's this. Boil it down in three words. You, you give yourself away. You give yourself away. You give yourself away. And you're not thinking about what's going to come back. Hey, if I visit her in the hospital, will she come to the hospital? You know, if, I, if I go to her funeral, will she come to my funeral? I mean, you know, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> Yeah, I know. That was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just so you, if you go to her funeral, she won't be coming to your funeral. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. I got a cold, y'all. Don't make fun of me. Right. You just give yourself. You just give yourself. This is the very nature of God. It is the very essence of the gospel, the God who loved so much that he just gave. And if God loved us that much, surely, surely we ought to love one another. Why can't we? You know, don't, don't get in the habit of just walking past each other in the hallway of the church like strangers. Don't, don't be strangers. Don't get in the habit of trying to come to church and being anonymous. I know that some of us are more outgoing. Some of us are more introverted. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the real need we have as brothers and sisters in Christ to occasionally find some way to just peel back the mask and say, this is, this is who I am. And this is what I need from you. I need you and you need me. What do you need from me? I mean. It's that kind of love that in the end will persuade the world that God is real, that his love is real. Because until they see that love in us, our, our declarations of a God of love must be very unbelievable. What I'm saying is if, 
if we don't get the love part of the gospel, then we haven't gotten any part of the gospel. Let's pray. God, you have taught us to love others more than we love ourselves. But God, that sets the bar very, very high. We all love ourselves. We think about ourselves where we put ourselves at the center of everything, Lord. It's so hard not to see my own life as a you know, story in which I'm the hero, the main character. But Lord, show us that we are not the main characters of anything, Lord. We are just... Uh, small characters in your great story, and your great story is a story of love. God, we're not very good at it. Lord, we lose our temper. Lord, we find ways to get angry, to get mad, Lord, to sabotage some of the best friendships we've ever had, Lord. We just don't know how to love. We just don't. We'd like to think that at church it would be better, at church it would be different, Lord, but we are just as likely at church, Lord, to uh, think of ourselves and forget to think of others, Lord. Jesus, will you help us? We understand that if we don't get the love part, then we're not getting any parts of this, Lord Jesus. So this is lesson number one. This is where it begins, Lord. You have to teach us how to love. You said that the first and greatest commandment was to love the Lord our God and to love our neighbors, Lord. And uh, somehow we missed that very first lesson about love. Help us. Oh, Lord Jesus, put this love in our hearts. Put your love in our hearts that we may have that love that just flows uh, that we can share with others. God, make us to be a church known for love. We may be known for a lot of things in this community, Lord, but if they don't know that we love, Lord, then we're not fulfilling our purpose. Help us, Lord, to stop sitting in pews like we're a bunch of strangers, Lord. Help us to look into the faces of strangers and recognize faces of brothers and sisters whom we love. And the Lord, teach us how to love well. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, but for the sake of this church, amen.